This is Dr. Russell Blaylock, and you're listening to the Blaylock Health Channel. Today, what I want to talk about was addiction and some uh, new ideas in medical research. Now, last week, we talked about depression and new ideas in uh, that area as well. And these are sort of linked. You'll find that there's, there's many overlapping uh, concepts here. Now, most of us know that addiction has become uh, somewhat of a major problem, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And as with depression and other psychiatric disorders as well, like obsessive compulsive disorder and mania and schizophrenia, our understanding about what is causing it, how to treat it, is changing. And as you learned from last week's podcast, there's a concept of a linkage between uh, inflammation of the brain and excitotoxicity that seems to be at the core of it. Today, I want to discuss new discoveries uh, in, in addiction uh, in terms of new neuroscience research. Also, as you learned uh, last week, that there was a powerful link between the immune system and certain transmitters in the brain that can affect behavior in general, particularly depression, but also some other psychiatric problems. Uh, the neurotransmitter glutamate is the central neurotransmitter that we want to talk about in this new research. Now, the thing about the glutamate as a neurotransmitter, it is the brain's most abundant neurotransmitter. Uh, and its receptors can be found on virtually every cell in the brain, including uh, the glial cells and the vascular cells uh, in the brain. So all of the neurons, no matter what function they have, seem to have these glutamate-type receptors. And in the cortex of the brain, about 90% of the brain contains, uh, of the cortex of the brain contains these glutamate-type receptors, which indicates that it's a very important uh, receptor. Uh, the glutamate receptors far outnumber all the other receptors put together. But there's a, a close interaction between them, as you'll see. Now, these receptors are extremely complex, and they're beyond the discussion here today. And I'm not even going to mention the different classifications of glutamate receptors because it gets too complicated. Suffice it to say that they're, they are very complex, and they have a very complex uh, repertoire of actions. So glutamate on one type receptor is going to have a different reaction and a different effect than it will on another glutamate type receptors. And so this, this is a very important concept to understand. In addition, these glutamate receptors are linked and interact with the other types of neurotransmitters, uh, such as dopamine, norepinephrine, acetylcholine, serotonin. So it's regulating their activity and their release of, uh, of these neurotransmitters as well. They also interact with the GABA receptors, which are, uh, in general, uh, inhibitory type uh, uh, neurons and receptors. The glutamate is mainly an excitatory neurotransmitter. Now, what all this means is that the activity of the other receptors is being regulated by glutamate, and this is a very important concept uh, for our discussion today. Now, as with depression, uh, inflammation plays a major role in how these glutamate receptors operate and can greatly increase their sensitivity and therefore activity. 
called this interaction between the immune system and the immune inflammatory chemicals and the glutamate receptors immunoexcitotoxicity. And we're beginning to find that this interaction is very important in a very large number of neurological disorders and psychiatric disorders. Now, until quite recently, uh, those dealing with addiction were under the impression that most important transmitter involved in the addiction impulse was dopamine. And as you'll see, this concept is changing somewhat. Not to say that dopamine is not important, because it is. I'll use drug addiction mostly in my examples, but this applies to addictions of all type, whether it's addiction to food, gambling, pornography, whatever. Any kind of addiction is what I'm going to be talking about. So what is the criteria for this addiction? Number one is a loss of control over use of either the drug or the activity. In other words, you just can't control taking this drug or exposing yourself to this particular behavior, such as eating chocolate or whatever. Second is repeated unsuccessful attempts to try to control this obsession. And third, continued use of this drug or following this obsession despite harmful effects and your knowledge that there are harmful effects, even to the point of death. Uh, people will still have this obsession and still do it. Fourth is reduced social, occupation, recreational engagement. People that are addicted to things tend to withdraw uh, into themselves. They, they don't want to engage and the normal social interactions because it takes them away from their addiction. And last is emergence of symptoms of tolerance. We know that if you take a drug such as cocaine or uh, morphine, very quickly you begin to develop this tolerance to it. It takes more of the drug to produce the same pleasurable uh, response. So that's called tolerance and is characteristic of addiction. And it can occur in psychological addictions as well. For instance, addictions to uh, eating. You find that uh, eating a little bit is of your favorite food or dessert is not enough, you need more. And when you're looking, a person's looking at pornography, they want more of it. They can't get enough of it. Now, when neuroscientists study addiction, they tend to concentrate on particular areas of the brain. One of these is called the mesolimbic reward circuitry. And this involves a number of special areas in the brain. I'll just list them for you uh, just for completeness sake. You don't have to remember them. You have the ventral tegmental area, the uh, cingulate cortex, nucleus accumbens, amygdala, and the prefrontal cortex. These are the key areas involved in the addiction uh, problem. Now, in the past, we thought these circuits were purely controlled by the neurotransmitter dopamine. And many of the drugs that were designed to treat addictions uh, were directed at dopamine-type receptors, what we call dopaminergic receptors. It is now known that this entire circuit is also controlled by glutamate receptors. In fact, it seems to control the dopamine receptors. In most of the addiction literature, two main areas of the brain are discussed, the ventral tegmental area and the nucleus accumbens. Uh, both of these areas of the brain are intimately connected 
to those other areas I mentioned, like prefrontal cortex, amygdala, uh, hippocampus, cingulate cortex. So there's this bidirectional uh, connection between the nucleus accumbens and the ventral tegmental area and these other areas of the brain. We'll see how that works a little bit. There's a great deal of glutamate receptor input from these other areas of the brain. In other words, the prefrontal cortex has a large number of these glutamate-type fibers going to the nucleus accumbens, for example. Now, when the glutamate receptors are stimulated, they cause dopamine to be released. And in these critical brain areas, this is concerned with addiction. Uh, so that when the glutamate stimulates those cells, they release their dopamine, and that gives you this uh, addicting uh, sensation in your brain. One of the central concerns uh, when dealing with addiction is what's called reinstatement of drug-seeking behavior or desire. And that is a powerful desire to have the drug once again. In other words, you've been off of it for a while, but as you certain things, certain cues in your environment make you want it again, and the obsession comes back. This impulse can be magnified by a number of things. Stress, exposure to the drug again, and seeing things that were originally related to the addiction. For instance, with drugs, if you look at drug paraphernalia or a movie about it or see it in a picture, the addiction desire comes back very powerfully. Same thing, for instance, with pornographic addiction. Seeing sexual pictures or sexually explicit movie drives them back to that addiction. That's reinstatement. Now, experimentally, researchers have found that if they block certain type of glutamate receptors, for instance, the AMPA receptor, it could prevent drug-seeking behavior in animals. And most of this research has been done in animals, which are fairly easily addicted to these drugs. Uh, if you block that specific type of glutamate re uh, receptor, it prevented them from seeking drugs. In other words, they lost their desire for the drug. It's known that giving animals a dose of dopamine uh, can stimulate drug-seeking behavior. But if you block the glutamate receptor after you do that, then the desire for the drug goes away. So it shows that the principal uh, neurotransmitter involved here is glutamate. Now, one of the characteristics of drug-seeking uh, is that the longer they're away from the drug, the greater the compulsion uh, builds. And giving an animal uh, glutamate can increase the desire for this drug even long after the exposure to the drug has been stopped. So part of that reinstatement desire for the drug comes from these glutamate receptors. Studies have shown that prolonged withdrawal from a drug causes the brain to form new kinds of glutamate receptors in these mesolimbic reward circuits. These new receptors are even more powerful in stimulating this drug desire or this addiction desire than before. So as you're exposed to these things, the type of glutamate receptor changes in your brain and these new receptors are infinitely more sensitive. Now what this means is that exposure to glutamate increases sensitivity to the addictive desires. We call this the reward system because it's the sensation that one feels when the desire is fulfilled. And this memory of the reward over time becomes the central thought in a person's mind. Uh, people addicted to gambling or pornography or drugs, 
They think about these things all the time. It dominates their thoughts. This new type of glutamate receptor uh, generated by being exposed to addictive things is so powerful that animals in which you carry this type of activity out that have recovered from their addiction, if you expose them to glutamate, you can powerfully reinstate that addiction and it comes back with a vengeance. So it shows the central importance of glutamate in this addictive uh, process, not only in the original addiction, but in reinstatement, the desire to do it again. Pharmacology companies, of course, are aware of this research and they're working on drugs to try to, to block specific type glutamate receptors. And early studies show that blocking these glutamate receptors can reduce both the reward sensation and the desire for the drug later when you're exposed to it. Uh, blocking another set of these glutamate receptors can decrease drug seeking itself. So we've established pretty well that glutamate is playing a central role here. Well, what about inflammation? Well, let's look at some of the evidence from the research that inflammation is involved in this process. Studies have shown, for example, that all crack users have elevated inflammatory markers in their blood, such as leptin or, or uh, cytokines, inflammatory cytokines. And it's especially high when they try to withdraw from the drug. That's when they have the highest desire. Interestingly, when they looked at children who were abused as children and later became addicts, uh, as children, they had high leptin levels in their bloodstream. And leptin is an inflammatory marker. When they looked at alcoholics, they found they had in high levels of inflammatory markers in their blood, in leukin-1 beta and leukin-6, for example. Exposure of uh, adolescents to morphine was found to lead to powerful cravings for the drug or other drugs uh, as they were adults. What morphine does, it stimulates immune activation and also activates microglia in the brain. You'll recall that microglia in the brain are special immune cells in the brain that have to do with inflammation and excitotoxicity. Examination of methamphetamine abusers, what we call the meth abusers, shows significant activation of microglia in their brain. Same thing with cocaine abusers. They have high levels of these uh, microglia activated in their brain. Now, the drug minocycline, which is an antibiotic, has been shown to potently reduce microglial activity, that is, calm down the inf inflammation in the brain. And uh, when they used this in alcohol-treated mice, which had become addicted to alcohol, it was shown to reduce that desire for alcohol by the mice. It's also been shown that stress, alcohol exposure, addictive drugs all activate inflammatory mechanisms in the brain, including microglial activation. And remember, microglia are major sources of both inflammatory chemicals, like cytokines and chemokines, and glutamate itself. Alcohol was shown to increase inflammatory mechanisms in the limbic parts of the brain and to activate microglia and the areas of the brain that are concerned with addiction. Now, the key to addictive behavior, what's actually driving it, is very high levels of neuron activity in the frontal cortical brain areas, what we call the prefrontal cortex. That's way up in the front of your head. Now, this area of the brain is critical for a lot of important things like decision-making, motivation, planning, 
goal setting, impulse inhibition, social control, and most importantly, predicting future consequences of action. These prefrontal areas project fibers to the limbic areas of the brain, especially this mesolimbic reward areas involved in addictive behavior. And it also has a very important role in suppressing impulsive behavior. Uh, the prefrontal cortex in adolescence is known to be immature and does not really reach adult maturity until around age 26 or 27. This may explain why they are risk takers. They don't think about the consequences of what they're doing because those brain areas are not mature yet. And the ability to, in your mind, see what might possibly happen if you carry out a certain action is very important in controlling these uh, destructive behaviors. Now, one of the interesting findings was that N-acetyl-L-cysteine, which regulates glutamate levels uh, in the brain, uh, when they would, gave this to addicted animals, it was shown to prevent drug reinstatement, in other words, the later desire for drugs. So this is a simple supplement that's available uh, without prescription that might have an important effect in helping the addicted person overcome their addiction and not relapse. Early studies have shown that manipulating glutamate receptors can significantly alter several things, withdrawal symptoms, drug cravings, and reinstatement of drug desire. And one of the examples of uh, uh, commonly found over-the-counter drug is dextromethorphan, which is a cough medication. Dextromethorphan is a blocker of NMDA-type glutamate receptors. And some studies have shown in animals and some human studies it helps uh, reduce withdrawal symptoms when a person is taken off of drugs. Now, several important observations uh, we can make about life in general uh, with this base of knowledge I've just shared with you. Uh, one of the things of interest is that the Western diet contains very large amounts of glutamate additives. Uh, many are in disguised forms, like hydrolyzed vegetable protein, soy protein, soy isolates, uh, autolyzed yeast, carrageenan, natural flavoring. Uh, these are all disguised names for MSG being added to processed foods. At the Western diet, we're consuming a very, very large amount of these all day long. And if eaten regularly, we know that it raises brain glutamate levels. And in certain people, it can overwhelm the protective systems of the brain and could possibly increase addiction impulse. Many drugs raise brain glutamate levels themselves. For instance, it's known that cocaine and methamphetamine powerfully activate microglia in the brain and produce high levels of glutamate release into the brain. Also, as we've seen, morphine does uh, much the same thing. Uh, one uh, condition that is often not looked at or forgotten about is reactive hypoglycemia. It's estimated that anywhere from 30 to 50% of the general population suffers from some degree of reactive hypoglycemia. So what is this? Well, that means that if you eat foods that contain a lot of sugar or high glycemic carbohydrates, it can make your blood sugar fall. And it's known that when that happens, uh, the brain secretes a lot of glutamate and can become inflamed and it can activate microglia. 
So if a person, for instance, is born or develops reactive hypoglycemia and they become addicted, it's going to be much more difficult to get them off of the drugs than it would someone who has normal blood sugar. A low magnesium makes glutamate receptors more active. So raising your magnesium level tends to calm the microglia and calms the, the glutamate receptors, and that reduces this excitotoxicity in the brain, the very thing that's producing uh, most of the addiction impulse. A high intake of omega-6 oils, uh, as we uh, discussed last week, increases brain inflammation, especially if these oils are oxidized. And we know these oxidized oils, uh, omega-6 oils, end up in the brain and can activate uh, the microglia and produce immunoexcitotoxicity. Repeated brain injury can cause chronically activated microglia. You know, the, the young people today are doing a lot of high-risk things. They get multiple head injuries, and these microglia can be activated uh, for as long as 17 years in that condition, and that would produce the smoldering brain inflammation and immunoexcitotoxicity. Repeated vaccines is another activity that can produce immunoexcitotoxicity and brain inflammation. Uh, exposure to aluminum and mercury. Uh, mercury is uh, a substance that is known in even very small concentrations to activate brain microglia and produce immunoexcitotoxicity. And of course, stress can uh, increase microglial activation as well. So what are some things you could possibly do to reduce your addictive uh, behavior or, or, or risk of addiction? Well, diet is critical. You should consume about six to 10 servings of high nutrient dense fruits and vegetables a day, particularly the vegetables. Avoid these omega-6 oils, uh, corn oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, peanut oil, soybean oil. You should be on a low-sugar, uh, low-glycemic uh, uh, carbohydrate diet, that is, avoid the high-glycemic carbohydrates. Avoid excess red meats because they're high in iron and glutamate. Tomatoes, mushroom, and cheeses are also high in glutamate. Avoid unnecessary vaccinations. Uh, there are a number of supplements that reduce brain inflammation, block excitotoxicity, and some do both. Things like curcumin, quercetin, uh, apigenin, luteolin, uh, camphorol, elagic acid, natural vitamin E, vitamin C, the B vitamins, especially thiamine, vitamin B6, uh, B12, and folate, uh, all reduce immunoexcitotoxicity. N-acetyl-L-cysteine, which is called NAC, N-A-C, when you take it, you should always take it with uh, after a meal because it can cause some severe stomach cramping if taken on an empty stomach. Exercise is important. That builds up uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor in the brain, which reduces brain inflammation and heals damage uh, to the brain. Avoid excess stress. should have adequate sleep, and you may need to use melatonin. Melatonin is a very powerful antioxidant. It stimulates the formation of antioxidant enzymes in the brain and throughout the body. And uh, I would not encourage people to use dextromethorphan, only uh, it should be used under physician's guidance. So that's very important. So I think uh, we've learned some new things today uh, about addiction. Unfortunately, most of these things are in the research 
have not moved into treatment as yet, clinical treatment, uh, but this is something that may help people who are having a problem. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast and would like to hear the previous episodes of Blaylock Health Channel, go to our website at www.blaylockhealthchannel.com. I thank you for listening. The information contained within these programs is not intended to replace or contradict that of your physician. This information is for educational purposes only. 